Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Michael McCoy Show. Yo, happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Had a break last week. We were on spring break, so there was no show. So I'm happy to be back. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. And, you know, it kind of stunk not being on air last week. One, because I love doing this. But secondly, it just so happens that everything was going on last week. Why I can't talk about it on the air. You got the NBA trade deadline. There was a couple moves uh, in the on the NFL side of things. A couple teams moving up, making some major power moves. San Francisco had that trade with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins traded that tra- that pick to the Eagles. And now, you know, there's a bunch of moving, a bunch of talk going on about who's taking who at the top of the draft. In that regard, we had March Madness. Uh, you know, the championship game was Monday. Uh, we had the women's championship game on Sunday, so there was just a lot going on, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I was on air this week, but better late than never. Hope everybody's doing well, like I said. Um, we got two guests calling in today. Today's going to be a really, really good show. I got my buddy Brian Monroe calling in, call, <laughs> calling in to talk some NBA, some uh, Miami Hurricanes Pro Day, and um, some NFL talk. We're going to talk about the draft, and then uh, we got Kylie Wang calling in. I've been trying to get her on the show for a while. Really, really funny girl. Really, really good guest. She's going to be on um, at, I believe, 1 o'clock. And we're going to talk about her Miami Heat. She was covering the Miami Open, so we're going to talk a little bit of tennis for the very first time on this show. But um, she works, I'm sorry, she's with uh, Five Reasons uh, Sports Network, so really good work they have going on over there. And she has really good content. I think you guys should follow both of them. Hit that follow button on Twitter. But um, I want to start things off, and I want to get into something that just kind of blew my mind. And thank God for this, because I think it's a great way to start the show. Going to cover a few things here before Brian calls in in the next segment. But were you guys privy to this top uh, 25 list of players under the age of 25 in the NBA that came out? I think it was yesterday or the day before by some NBA quote-unquote insiders. Let me tell you, these insiders are the reasons why I have hope to do what I want to do in the future because if these guys call themselves insiders, then, man, I I, I really have a shot to to get to where I want to be because let me tell you something. This list looks like it was made by somebody throwing darts in the dark. I swear to God. So the NBA, this list was made by employees at ESPN. These these guys get paid to do this, okay? And I'm just kind of wondering what the hell they're looking at because – you look at this list, and I'm only going to talk about the top 10. Mind you, these are the top 25 players under the age of 25, and these are the top 10 that they have. So at the age of 22, number one at the top of the list is Luka Doncic, and I don't disagree with that, not one bit. I have said several times that I feel he is not the best player in the, in the NBA, but definitely my most talented player in the NBA. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. That's right. (laughs) So the guy can tell you how he's going to beat you and you can't stop him. Okay, he has everything in the book. And guess what I found out today about Luka Doncic? Frank, did you know that he averages more rebounds than Zion Williamson? No, I had no idea. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that either. False. I would have said false 100%. Not only because Zion spent more time under the rim, but I mean, Luka Doncic, like that just proves to you that he's an all around guy. Remember this, Atlanta drafted him. And traded him to Dallas for 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 Trey Young. And I'm not saying that's a horrible pick. I'm sorry, a horrible move, but damn. Um, so he's number one on the list. Okay, cool. Zion is number two. I love Zion to death, but 
generational talent, okay, whatever. The one that catches my attention is, and I love LaMelo Ball. I love Lonzo Ball. But to be the third player on this list in terms of being the best, uh, you know, under the age of 25, and he's ranked number three ahead of Donovan Mitchell, okay, ahead of Ben Simmons, but get this, ahead of Devin Booker, who's ranked number eight. That just, excuse you? What kind of NBA are you, do they have, do they have cable is my first question. Do they have, what are they, I, I don't get it. Are they watching, I just have no idea what they're watching, but Devin Booker absolutely belongs at the very least, and I think this is sliding him. He's top five on that list, maybe top three. He's probably second. Okay, I'm not here to make the list, but I'm telling you, there's no way in hell that he belongs at eight. Okay, they have Bam at number nine and Shai Gilgis Alexander at 10. All of these guys are good players. All of these guys probably belong in the top 10, maybe. Okay, and I'm pointing out LaMelo Ball here because, like I said, I love the dude. He has transcended, you know, uh, you know, the outlook that the Hornets had going. I I don't think anybody except the people living in the city of Charlotte had uh, the Hornets making the playoffs this year, and that's probably what they're going to do. They're kind of slipping a little bit since he's been out with that wrist injury. He's out for the remainder of the season, if I'm not mistaken. But that's just – especially ahead of Donovan Mitchell, you saw what that guy does in the playoffs. Uh, Scoring machine. Jason Tatum is a bona fide all-star. De'Aaron Fox is ranked at number six. I think Ben Simmons is literally – and a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but I don't care. Ben Simmons is a jump shot away from being LeBron James. Like uh, 6'10", elite defender – can get to the rim whenever he wants to. He's ranked at number seven, and LaMelo's ahead of him. Ben Simmons is a better point guard than LaMelo Ball. I don't care if Ben Simmons can't shoot. You know that somebody can't shoot, and they're still scoring the double digits on you. That means they can score at will, okay? It's that simple to me. But that, that, that list just kind of blew me away, and um, those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, there's you weren't some- the only one that blew away because Stephen A. Smith was came out hard against his colleagues and pretty much came out with statements <laughs> like, anyone who, I'm going to try to do it in my best Stephen A. Smith voice. Go Anybody who contributed to this list <laughs> must go ahead and take a drug test, for God's sake. I don't understand what you guys are thinking to yourselves. What, how, how are you not going to put the mellow ball on top of Donovan Mitchell? You guys, you guys are out of your mind. Right, that's my, that's my uh, limited Stephen A. Smith. And I saw, I saw veins popping out of Frank's head just now through the window, but that was a pretty good impression, bro. Good job. Good job. But, yeah, man, it, look, he shared the same sentiment as I did. I didn't even watch that clip. I could imagine. I'm, I'm picturing him right now, him going off. And, yeah, like, I, listen, like I said, and like he said, who doesn't like LaMelo Ball? Who doesn't like any of these dudes? But LaMelo Ball's been in the league literally, like, what, 40 games? To rank him third against, again, on top of Donovan Mitchell, Bam, Devin Booker, Ben Simmons, De'Aaron Fox. I don't know, man. The I don't issue, know. The issue, Mike, man, is that um, media's changed a lot. Like, it's, tr- it's, uh, it's transformed within the last, maybe let's say, decade or so, especially since social media has become heavy. Yes. And everything is about how many clicks you get. And yes. if they don't get the clicks, then they don't get the sponsors. Yeah. And it's all yeah. about the money. So yeah. what they're doing is they're putting something out there so – because like these kids like nowadays, they don't they don't pay attention to news. It's everything that's just kind of given to them. Yeah, you're right. So since those are the flashy names right now, they put those towards the top of the list, and it becomes a flashy thing. And then all of a sudden, the people that don't disagree with now it becomes more clicks as they pass it around. Yeah. It's all about just let, let's let's just be as. Fun 
far out there as possible and make the most people uh, disagree with us. So then that way they come and then they keep <laughs> talking about it. And now we're on the f- on the tip of everybody's tongue on every single sports talk show. And we can be a Mike McCoy talk show because we want Mike McCoy to talk about our league, the NBA, and our and our and our and our ESPN. So let's do this. And that's the reason why they do it nowadays. That's true, man. Clickbait. And you know what? It it. It got me to click. It got me to talk. I got everybody to talk about it, and I got probably Stephen A. Smith to, to have an aneurysm on air. Who knows <laughs> with, the, with the reactions that that guy has. But, oh, I wanted to talk about this. Frank, do you remember a guy by the name of Jim Rome? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Remember Jim, Jim Rome? Jim Rome is burning. Yes, remember that show? Okay. Yeah, he's uh, on CBS now, I believe. He is? I didn't know that. I was wondering what he was doing. Okay, so today's the 7th. Yesterday was, I think it was the 30-year or however long year anniversary that he got punked on his own show. This wasn't the one that Rome is burning. He had a talk show called Talk 2 on ESPN2. Is this so, a Jim Everett one? You're 100% right. You know yeah, exactly I've, I've seen this going. before. I've oh, seen this my God. I didn't know today was the anniversary. but Well, I've... it was yesterday, April 6th. It was yesterday. Or it was ha- Chris Everett, I believe. Well, this is the story. So Chris Everett was a female tennis player, okay? And Jim Everett was a decent quarterback in the NFL. He has his ups and downs. And he was probably more known as one of those career backups that, you know, solid, but not a great starter. A guy that you'd like to have on your team in case your quarterback goes down for a couple days. So April 6, 1994, he goes on Jim Rome's Talk 2. And Jim Rome has been burning this guy for years and years and years and years, calling him Chris Everett because he was calling him soft. He always hurt, this, that, and the third, whatever. So he called him Chris on the show, and Jim says, you know what? You've been calling me this for five years, and now that I'm here, I know that you're not going to do it again. Jim Rome says, well, I just did. He goes, yeah, you just did, but if you want to go off break and handle this, we can. But from this point on, you're not going to call me Chris. He goes, okay, well, we'll see. Chris Oh, my God. When I say tables were flipping, chairs, they had to go off air because they were scared for Jim Rome's life. And he was going, he being Jim Everett, mind you, this is an NFL quarterback. Back in the day, NFL quarterbacks, you know, a traditional quarterback is 6'3", 220-plus pounds, and it was hilarious. Anybody that wants to get a really, really good laugh, just go ahead and put Jim Rome, Jim Everett on your YouTube, and it is just, it's a funny it's a funny clip, man. They literally have... Jim, good to have you on the show. Good to be here, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You got it? Go ahead and play it. Thank you. Check that. Chris Everett, good to have you on the show. You know what? You know, you've been calling me that for about the last five years. About two years, actually, Chris. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Let me, let me say one thing. In that game, how many sacks did I have that we came back and won? How many sacks did yeah, you have? Yeah, how many games? How many sacks? Well, see, but this was back in 1989. Okay, so was you, may, you may have even been Jim Everett back there, but somewhere along the way, Jim, you ceased being Jim and you became Chris. Well, let me tell you a little secret. <laughs> that, you know, we're sitting here right now, and if you guys want to take a station break, you can. But if you call me Chris Everett to my face one more time... I already did it better, twice. You better... If you call one more time, we better st- take a station break. Well, it's a five-minute segment. Our five-segment show. We got a long way to go. Well, we do. We got a long way to go. We do. I'll get a couple segments out of well, you before. Well, it's good to be here with you, though. Well, it's good you to know, see you, too. because you've been talking like this behind my back for a long but time. But now I said it right here. Right. Exactly. Well, we got no problems, well, I think then. It, I think that you, you probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. <laughs> there go the tables and the chairs flipping. Listen, I, I, he's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big ones, big marbles. Anybody seen uh, Major League Two? Um, but wow, man. Yeah. So that happened April 6, nineteen ninety four. I'm not a math major. I don't know how long ago that was, but that was a long time ago. Okay. And um, wow, man. I, I just wanted to bring that up because I was cracking up when I saw it. Come that up. happened so long ago that it was the original ESPN Two logo. 
Wow, with the little two on the side. Yeah, like the, like the graffiti urban looking two. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. man. Yes, we're telling our age here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We've we we've experienced a lot with the golden age of of big men in the NBA. That's what we're going to talk about in a little. Well, not really, but um, I got a few more minutes left here in the segment, and I wanted to talk about some NBA news. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and take a break. And we'll talk about it with Brian Monroe next because he's calling in. But actually, before I do that, I do want to say that uh, this came out yesterday or early this morning. Wisconsin, um, University of Wisconsin, or Wisconsin, what is it, Wisconsin University? University of Wisconsin, I don't know. Um, Athletic Director Barry Alvarez will retire on June 30th. And why I wanted to bring that up, why? Because there was talk that he was going to come here and coach the University of Miami once, uh, you know, Butch Davis left the program, and obviously they uh, brought in Larry Coker. But why was that going to happen? Because he had ties to uh, Donna Shalala. Donna Shalala, uh, obviously the previous uh, president at the University of Miami before President Frank, who's there now, um, was a chancellor at Wisconsin from 1988 to 1993. So they had a connection. Barry Alvarez never happened. And if he does, who knows if Miami in 2001, 2002 ever happens. But he's going to retire January, I'm sorry, June 30th. One of the uh, big names, one of those power names in college football. So he's definitely going to be missed. But we're finally going to take that break. And on the other side, I got my buddy Brian Moreau calling in. And we're going to talk some NFL, uh, Hurricanes Pro Day, and... Um, just some other things that we're, uh, we're going to get into. So keep a lock. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. See, I, I, I can't start the segment right now because I'm literally just getting into it, man. That's right. Just let that ride out a little bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Producer Frank bringing the funk over on the other side of the window there. Appreciate that, Frank. But, um... Really have, uh, I'm sorry, I'm really excited to speak to Brian Monroe right now with us on Slam Radio. If you guys aren't familiar with the name, shame on you. You should be played at you from, I believe, 03 to 06. Is that right, B? You are correct. Thank you, man. Yeah, How you been? You're, you're aging me on air, on air right now. <laughs> it's all right, man. I'm right there with you. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, at B underscore Monroe 15 on Twitter. Give him a follow. If you aren't, you should. It's a really, really good follow. Knows and stuff. Don't put him in a box because just because I called him a punter, don't think of this weakling little skinny guy or whatever. The guy is an athlete. He's a soccer player. He's a receiver. And he knows the stuff about the hardwood, too. We're going to talk about that. But before we get into anything, Brian, I wanted to ask you, I think I saw it. I can't remember if it was one of those fleets on Twitter or on IG. You posted a picture of a mic. Can you talk about what you got going on really quick? Uh, yeah, I did post a picture of a mic last week. Um, for all the uh, old school Canes fans out there, we will be dropping all Canes radio in a podcast very soon. Sweet. Um, we have recorded our first two episodes already Sweet. one we've got some old school guys coming on talk about coach howard schnellenberger and his passing some great memories um we also have one of the best linebackers to ever come to the u with john Beeson. all right um and we, we'll have a lot of guys you know lined up in 
every week we'll bring on a, a former Canes player, whether that's, you know, football, basketball, baseball, um, you know, anybody, ladies, track, basketball coaches, everything. Uh, we're just going to have fun, man. We're just going to tell, you know, Canes stories, uh, everything that it was, all Canes Radio was back in the past. I love that. I love that. And anybody that, um, you know, is affiliated or a fan of the University of Miami, you should too. That is everything you want to hear as a fan, alum, whatever you want to call it, supporter of the University of Miami Athletics Department. And I will be tuning in and uh, subscribing to that podcast. So thanks for that, man. But, um, Ro, man, we got a lot to talk about, some football stuff. I wanted to talk about the Kings Pro Day that took place on the 29th last week. Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau, Quincy Roche, Brevin Jordan, Jagosi Nuruka, Jose Borregales. And um, I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on who uh, you thought did well, if anybody impressed you or uh, disappointed you. I mean, look, you know, Pro Days are, are funny to me. I, I call them the underwear Olympics like many people do. <laughs> Um, you know, all of a sudden, everybody starts talking about some dude out of nowhere. Yep. Or, oh, my God, this guy's going to be a top five pick. Why? Because he, he runs good routes on air <laughs> with no pads on against nobody. Like, to me, it's like, you know, you see a quarterback and they say, oh, that's the best part I've ever seen. Yes, they said that about Tom Savage as well. So yep. it's like, you know, let's just pump the brakes on the, on the pro days, and especially this year because, mm-hmm. to me, it's very skewed because the 40 times are all hand times unless – they have laser times out there, which we don't know because nobody has verified it. Most of them say, oh, this scout has this. Right. This scout has this. You know, for, for fans out there, there's a reason why certain guys don't run an indie and run at their pro day because mm-hmm. there's been dudes in the past that ran a 4-3 at their pro day and a 4-5 at indie. Oof. So the, the hand times are, you know, it, it, it's very skewed. Yeah. But, uh, or, uh, you know, for our pro day, we knew Jalen Phillips would, you know, knock it out of the park. Right. The dude is just the physical freak. All right. Um, you know, you, you put the film on and he just jumps out. He's, he's twitchy. Uh, he's got, he's bent. He moves. He's, he's got it all as far as a pass rusher. Yes. He's got to, you know, refine his skills and stuff like that. But if you just turn on the film, you say that's a first round talent, no matter what, like in my humble opinion, I would say he's better. He's a more, uh, a better pick than Gregor Russo. Okay. You know, okay. if you want to put him in right now, it's an NFL scheme. You can at least say, Hey, go after the, uh, the quarterback right now on third down. And he can do that. Russo, I think, is going to have to work on a couple of things. Okay. Um, I think the one value that Gregory does have, though, is that you could put him inside and you kick him outside. Yep, very now, you look so. at him like just a little bit smaller, like a Calais-type Campbell. Like If he gets bigger, he might move inside like Calais did at the next level as well. Um, obviously, Jorge Bargallis got a good love to the kicker because he's the best kicker in the draft. Yep, yep. Um, you know, I think I heard he only missed one in a long of 60. I mean, look, you know, kickers don't get drafted that high, but – this is a guy that if you you know turn on Saturdays he he didn't miss nope. you know I think I think his block I think his misses were a block kick and a and a botched um, right. fake field goal so you look at that uh, and you say listen that's a guy that I'm gonna take a flyer on maybe fifth sixth and definitely seventh round uh, I think Quincy Roche did what he had to do I think he really made his money when it came to the Senior Bowl okay. since it really wasn't in, in, in uh, Indianapolis this year um, he did really well at the Senior Bowl he was a standout. He showed that he could be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's, you know, he's most likely going to be probably a, a third-round pick, it looks like. Brevin okay. um, Jordan, uh, eh, I would say I think his film matches up with his speed. You know, so I saw okay. people on Twitter talking about, yeah, he's going to run a 4-4 and a 4-5. I said, man, you're watching a different game than I'm watching. <laughs> like, if you had to ask me, I would have said Brevin probably would have ran in the low 4-6s before. Right. And he, I think he did what, 4-6-5, 4 6 five, four, six or something like that. Right. I think he probably would have wanted to go like 
hand time, high four fives, low four sixes. But I think when you turn on Brevin's film, he's, you know, very versatile. You can right. kick him outside. He blocks very well. I think he, to me, he's the best all-around tight end in this draft. Now, don't go, you know, killing me on Twitter talking about he's better than Pitts. I didn't no, say that. No, 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 no. I said he's the best all-around. Mm-hmm. Pitts is not a better blocker than Brevin Jordan. Nope. You don't. You can't agree. You can't say anything about that. Now, Pitts is disgustingly special, and you could do a lot with him. But I think Brevin Jordan is the best all around. I think he will have a good NFL career if he can stay healthy. If he can stay, that's the key right there. Because I mean, you know, the guy was being talked about winning the Mackey and all that stuff, but he just had some trouble. You know, shoulder or whatever the case was. He, he was playing hurt a lot and missed some time. So um, you touched on a couple things that I wanted to get into. Um, but before that, I wanted to ask you about your pro day and if you participated in it because. Um, Obviously, Jose kicked, and I know things were different then, but, like, how was your pro day? I mean, how did you do on the bench? Did you clock four? I mean, is it different for punters and kickers than everybody else? So, you can do it if you want, right? You can do, you can do the bench. You could do the jumps and everything, and then you, do, you go through your, your kicking routine or your punting routine. And the funny thing at the time was, since I had been playing receiver and practice and spring ball and stuff like that, um, one of the teams just wanted me to go through it with the receivers. So I actually went through the receiver drills. Nice. And I did the punting drills and the kickoff drills. And I did the 40, obviously, because I wanted to show my versatility with, you know, speed and uh, 5 10, 5 and vertical jump and stuff like that and bench press. So, yeah, I did it all. Okay, okay. I told you guys don't put them in the box just because he, the punter's just a label, guys, all right? They could, they're athletes, too. But in any I mean, event, but you, you look at look look at all the punters that came through, right? After just you know, like I would say, it probably started with Freddie Capshaw, mm-hmm. then me, then you had Pat O'Donnell, who's yep. a freaking put up twenty three bench press reps. You got Matt Bosher tackling better yep. than some of these NFL dudes <laughs> yeah. out there. You know, it's like you, you can say what you want, and now they got you know Lou Headley, but like, okay, so the funny story is always about you know you know punters aren't athletes or whatever. You guys aren't athletes, and I always say this. All right, so I'm not an athlete, but I played on the team with guys like Devin Hester and, you know, Kenny Phillips and all these other dudes, and I had a faster 5-10-5. So who's the athlete? <laughs> That's all I got to say. Say it with your chest, man. Exactly. I appreciate that. And everybody out there listening should be like, okay, okay, that, that kind of um, stereotype should change after hearing that. But let's, let's talk about Pitts, man, because the guy is – I don't want to say, well, I am going to say it. And I think you and I went back and forth about it on Twitter kind of last week. But the guy reminds me of Megatron simply because he has his reach is longer. His 40 is slightly slower, but he's taller. He weighs more. The guy's going to be all over the field just like Brevin is. But that guy wins one-on-one matchups all the time at that jump ball, um, jump ball one-on-one situations, gets, you know, catches the ball at its peak. Um, I just saw right now coming into the studio that Dallas and uh, Jerry Jones are enamored with him. And I'm looking. I should have had it up. I do have it up. But Dallas picks at – what do they pick ten. at in the draft? They pick at 10. ten. I don't think he's going to stick around that long. No, he's not going to be at 10. There's no way. I mean, he's the, he's the hottest name that's not a quarterback right now on the board, as he should be. I mean, he's a, he's a special talent. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Megatron because – if I asked you, if you looked at Megatron on his pad uh-huh. and and Pitts in his pad, who weighed more, you would say Megatron. You would say Megatron, right. I would, yeah. And and Pitts weighed in heavier than Megatron, but Megatron, when you look at him, you're like, what is that? <laughs> like, literally, I, I, I will, we played against him twice at Georgia Tech, and this dude made a catch on our sideline underneath uh, the safety and over top of the corner, one-handed on the sideline. 
on a Thursday night, Damn. which we were number three in that knocked us out of the national game. championship contention. And I go, holy hell, I don't even know what that is. He's just, he's a freak. And I'm, you know, I think that the, the, the comps for players, it's cool and all, but like, don't comp people with like first ballot Hall of Famers. Like, <laughs> it's just so tough. Like, that dude's done stuff in the NFL that is so unbelievable. Like, it's going to be tough for other receivers to do it. Now, Pitt, I told you on Twitter, I think his comp when it comes to right now an NFL tight end is Darren Waller. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. look at their size, their speed coming out of college, it's almost identical. And then you look at Darren Waller run route, go up and get the ball. He does all of that in the NFL right now, and I can I consider him a top three um, tight end in the league. Now, if I had to say a route runner tight end that I've seen that runs as smooth routes like him, mm-hmm. it would have to be Kellen Winslow second. Wow. Okay. I mean, okay. Kel, if you you just go back and I know Kellen's doing his thing and he's got his issues, but if you just go back and watch Kellen Winslow the second film, it is unbelievable. And then what I got to see him. Well, as a receiver, I mean, he was one of the first jumbo receivers yeah. to come into college and become a tight end yeah. that, you know, excelled. You know, there were guys yeah. before him, but he was one of the ones that excelled first. And I mean, I used to be able to watch him go against John Zilma, T.J. Williams, Sean Taylor. <sighs> and I mean, the one on one battles and the stuff that he was able to do and the way he manipulated his body was unbelievable. Wow, so if man. I had to say route running tight ends, I would put Pitts into it. But, you know, Pitts is. He's been fortunate enough to be in a new age offense right. to spread more that colleges and now the league are doing that. He's going to put up gaudy numbers that some of these tight ends back in the 90s, early 2000s weren't running the spread. But if you put them in the spread now in the mismatches, I think their numbers would be comparable to Pitts' numbers. Okay. But I'm, I'm interested to see how where he goes in the league because I don't think you could just go to a team and be a Hall of Famer. You have to of go course. into the right situations, the right schemers, um, the right quarterback. Um, if you don't have that coach that knows how to utilize your skill set, you might just be a guy like, yeah, he makes a Pro Bowl or two, but he's not elite that he should be at. Of course, no, yeah, like that generational tenant that you're coming in with all the hype. I completely under, yep. completely understand that and agree with that. Um, got Brian Moreau on the air right now. If you guys are just now tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, listening to the Michael McCoy Show, and I promise we're going to get into some basketball. But how can I not let the man talk about what he knows? you know, probably the most about uh, played football. And, you know, that's what we're talking about right now. I got a couple more questions for you, man. We're still on pits. Um, do you think he's the most dynamic player in the draft? And before you before you answer that, just listen to some of these names. Obviously, we got Sunshine coming out. We got Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, who probably really only won the Heisman because Jalen Waddle was hurt. That's another guy, Jalen Waddle. When he's healthy, he's dynamic. Makai Parsons' pro day was sick. Okay, you got Travis Etienne, Justin Fields, Jalen Phillips, so on and so forth. Is Pitts the most dynamic? Uh, how do you define dynamic? Like, give me an example in the league to say, like, he's dynamic like this. Are you trying to say, like, he's, like, dynamic like Tyreek Hill can do it all, take the ball and go 90 yards at one play, hit a punt return, stuff A like that? household name by week three. Tyreek Hill, OBJ, catching it on the sideline versus Dallas on Monday night, probably the greatest catch I've ever seen ever. A guy that the league is going to be, that everybody, like, look, people that don't watch football watch the Super Bowl on Sundays. Those people are going to know who Kyle Pitts is by week six, that kind of dynamic. Um, I mean, yeah, I can, I can say before the draft, yeah, he can be that guy. I truly do love Jamar Chase, though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
out of uh, LSU. Mm-hmm. I think he can be the next dynamic big-time receiver, um, the household name, like a, make an OBG, uh, OBJ catch and be that guy. Okay. You know, that to me, it's a struggle because I, I, I'm one of those believers that I think it's the opportunity and the situation you get drafted to true, for a certain true. player, yeah, yeah. quarterbacks, tight ends, like you have to be utilized correctly. Like, you know, the reason why I think the top three tight ends in the league right now are Kelsey Kittle and uh, Jaron Wall. I mean, uh, Waller right. is that you look at their schemers that they have as head coaches and they put them in perfect situations um, to be utilized correctly. Now, if you put those guys in like Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets the last couple of years, would they be the same tight end? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, J- if Pitts goes to the right team, yeah, the first year everybody's going to know who he is. But I just think Jamar Chase is just going to be that dude week one when he gets to the league. Okay, okay. I got one more uh, question for you, and it's, it's something that – I know I'm in the minority of, but I love I love oh being boy. in the minority. <laughs> oh boy. And then we're going to jump into some, some NBA talk because I really want to get your opinion on what's going on on the hardwood. So before I ask you, you know, or tell you what we're going to get into, true or false, correct me if I'm wrong, true or false, a great quarterback, and I'm talking about top five, elite quarterback, not above average, a very, very, very good quarterback makes a receiver look good and rarely does a great receiver make a quarterback look good. True or false? False. False. Okay, yeah. you just threw off my whole next segment, okay? So not, not next Sorry. segment, but it's okay. Um, let's just say, well, I feel it's true, okay, because just because I do whatever, we have a dif- difference of opinion. That's cool. Assuming you <laughs> said yes, okay, assuming you said yes, I wanted to talk about Tua because this is, this is, this is my thing about Tua and the Dolphins. The Dolphins, saw, we saw they made that trade. They moved. They had, what, the third pick. Uh, my mm-hmm. Niners come in, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they have the 12 pick, the Dolphins, and then they trade that to Philly, and, you know, the Dolphins are sitting at sitting pretty at six right now. So what do you say to the person that says the following? I'm this person, okay? Yeah, the Finns need to get two of weapons. I 100% agree with that, and it's true because in today's game, you need to score points to win, period. But, big but, given his injury past, and the fact that he he's clearly the franchise quarterback and the Finns have given him the keys to the Beamer, all right? If the Finns think if, – if, if they think he, you know, is who they think he is, you know, which is a future top five quarterback in the NFL, and given the fact that they have all these, you know, picks or whatever, um, shouldn't they – don't you think that they should probably invest at least one of those picks – in protecting him because every mock I've seen, it's all skill guys. And I'm sorry, but with the it's not a terrible line that they have, but with the line as constructed right now, they're not winning anything. New England just got better defensively in the division. Uh, Buffalo has a defense uh, that's, you know, established in the division. And the, ja- they, the, the Dolphins barely had a better passing offense than the Jaguars did. The Jaguars did in 2020. The Niners, my Niners, who Jimmy G was in and out of the lineup and had – uh, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name, horrible freaking quarterback playing for them, had a better passing offense than the Dolphins last year. So what do you say about that Who, guy? The Niners, Mullen or Bradford? Uh, Mullen, horrible, 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 terrible. And so what do you say to that guy, me, that the Dolphins should take one of those picks and invest it on the line? All right, so let's go back to the first question you said, and then we'll get back to that. Go one. ahead, so the go reason ahead. Why I, the reason why I said false, and I'll make it very brief, yes, a leak, a leak quarterback a la Tom Brady makes the players around him better mm-hmm. we understand that right but you know Tom Brady has also been you know blessed with a great scheme with Bill Belichick right. I'm at a great defense check down you know all day long to the running back Absolutely. he's had Gronk a Hall of Fame tight end Wes Walker we can go on but 
most quarterbacks need those elite receivers or elite tight ends like Pitts to make them look better, just saying, I know Calvin Johnson, since you brought him up, I can throw it up and Calvin Johnson's going to moss three people and make me look good. Okay. Okay. Right? So that's where it's like, um, I agree with you a little bit, but I think it takes like, you know, elite, elite, like Hall of Famer quarterback to be that. I don't, I think the other guys need that special talent out wide, a la, like I said, OBJ, right. Calvin Johnson, you know, that like OBJ's catch. Is that on Eli Manning or is that on OBJ? <laughs> right. Totally, totally on, not okay. Eli. That's on OBJ. You know, that, you know, Mario Manningham catching a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that on Eli? Great ball, but it's on Mario Manningham to get his toes done. You 100%. Know? I, just think, I just think you can go both ways in argument, I think, and everyone will be there forever back and forth. Okay. Now, to Tua, you're right. I think football is won in the trenches, in college and in the NFL. You always got to protect. You always got to pass uh, a rush to pasture. But they used three of their top four picks or three, three picks in the top four rounds last year on O-line. Uh-huh. So they did. They did invest in them. They they got Austin Jackson, right tackle. Uh-huh. They got Hunt, the guard, and then they got Kinley as well in the fourth round. Right. So now you have three guys going at their second year. You went and picked up a new center. So now you got a. Uh, I think uh, Andrews or yeah, I think it's Andrews picked up a new center. So right there, you invested in your line. Uh-huh. To me, this year you could pick up somebody in the second round because everyone's talking about this tackle draft is super elite, right. super deep, just like the wide receiver draft. But you need – listen, Tua needs a go-to number one, mm-hmm. whether that's Pitts or Jamar Chase because they don't have it. And don't tell me it's Devontae Parker because Devontae <laughs> Parker's had one good year his whole entire career, and that's not a one. I'm so sorry no, it's, it's not. not a one. He's a bargain deal. That's the only reason why I like his contract with the, with the Dolphins. But he's a two at best on any team. And I get it. He mosses what's his face from the – from the Patriots, a couple of games, whoop de doo That doesn't mean anything. That's not a one. You don't trust him. He's got stone hands. Oof. So, first, you need a one for two to have a dominant dude that you know that this third down, I need a touchdown, I can go to him. Second of all, you need a running back. I'm, I was mm-hmm. so pissed when the Dolphins went over Elaire last year and oh, went for another yeah. cornerback when you just – paid two guys the highest in the NFL and you had Hilaire sitting right there, dynamic running back coming off a crazy season with LSU. Yep. You know, this, this, this type of uh, offense in the NFL is like, you need to have a running back that can catch out the backfield. If you look at any team yes. that was winning in the last couple of years, look at Tom Brady. Yep. You know, uh, Leonard, Leonard Fournette blew it up in the, play, in the playoffs this year for mm-hmm. the Bucks. Every other time, James White up in um, New England, uh, the Patriots, like yep. It is unbelievable. You need that dynamic running back to make your quarterback and offense go because you just have to have it. Because instead of taking that sack or throwing out of bounds, I check it down, I get five yards, and I go to the next play. So for me personally, I need him. I need to get pass catcher at that, the number six. I just need him. Okay. And 18, I don't care what the, the haters that say about don't take a running back in the first round, Najee Harris. I like him. I listen. I love Travis Etienne, but not, dude, that dude Harris. In 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 and sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to do that, but the um, the SEC championship game and the national championship game. That guy had like 400, 300, 400 yards, like in each game, or no, no total, obviously. But I think he scored like four or five touchdowns in each of those games. Complete back, man. Complete back, one hundred percent. He is absolutely disgusting, and I would take him at 18 if I was the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you go into the second round, you use you know they got two picks, use one on the a tackle and use the other one on a pass rusher. 
And I think those are your biggest needs when it comes to the Dolphins. Okay. Okay. No, I agree. And I mean, look, the guys picking ahead of him, we all know picks one through three, that's quarterback. Jacksonville Jets, yep. uh, Niners. Who they are, different story for a different day. Those are quarterbacks. Atlanta Falcons, some people are saying they're going quarterback with Matt Ryan on the way out in a few years. The Bengals are probably going to go skill to get – they're in the same situation that the Dolphins are. you got to get Burrow a, 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 a guy. But that's probably going to be Chase just knowing that they play together in college. So – you know, that pits to Miami is looking really, really possible. So we'll see. But don't don't write him off for a tackle now because, you know, Burrow got beat up last That's year. That's true. I mean, you got to protect him. And, That's you know, true. they had, uh, what's his name, Jonah Williams from uh, Alabama a couple years ago that injured and played last year. You put him on one side, you put Penel Sewell or Slater on the other side, Oof. and you say, hey, listen, I got my tackles for the next 10 years mm-hmm. to protect them. They still have, what, Tyler Boyd as one of the receivers out there. They got yeah. Nixon in the backfield. You know, they got they got some dudes that can can play, you know, whatever. But, you know, just, you, you got to protect Joe Burrow. Like, he ain't even got no skilled dudes. Like, I don't know. I just think that you could circle three guys when it comes to the Bengals pick. Okay. I think it's down to three dudes for them. I think it's Pitts, obviously, because he's special. Jamar Chase, because obviously they got a great relationship and he's he's that dude. And then you got to go tackle, whether they love Penel Sewell or they like Slater yeah, out of yeah, Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. And, um... So let's switch gears here, and we're way over our time, but I'm sorry. I know Brian was only supposed to be on for like 15, 16 minutes, but who cares? Um, this is I a know great conversation. yelling at you. <laughs> nah, he's good. He's <laughs> like, Mike, do you think he walked He walked out? I'll be right back. I'm, I'm, give, I'm giving him the fade. Like, bro, do you. Boo-boo, do you. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the hardwood, man, because like I said, you know, I, I don't want to put you in a box and just talk about football, but let me tell you my thoughts on what's going on with uh, – you know, the, the awards that are going to be handed out at the end of the year. This is how I have it. I know he's not going to win it, but Steph Curry's my MVP. I love Dame. He's playing great. I love Joel Embiid big time. And to me, he's probably my number two. But have you seen what the Warriors looked like when Steph was out with that tailbone? I mean, they scored 77 points one game. All right, they beat my Bulls in his first game back. And last night, he puts up 41 against the Bucks, which didn't have Giannis playing. But that dude is playing like MVP Steph, in my opinion. That's my MVP I mean, right there. How? What, go ahead. Go ahead. You you look at you look at Steph and you know Steph is Steph's a special talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what he's been able to do his whole entire career, coming in undersized, you know, the whole nine yards, is unbelievable. One of the best guards ever do it. One of the best pure shooters ever to play the game. But you know how this is. This is this is a popularity race, and this is also a who's on the better team race. Yeah, and I hate that. that. I That's hate all that. the NBA is. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's, even though you can look at, like, okay, I'll give you an example. We all know back in the day, uh, Kobe Bryant could have won it how many times in a row? Right. LeBron could have won it how many times in a row? Mm-hmm. And they never did it because they're like, okay, we can't be biased. So let's give it to this guy this one time, and then let's go back to LeBron, and let's go back to Kobe. So you might look at it and say, okay, look at Giannis's numbers. I mean, Giannis's numbers are just what he's been doing with MVP race the last couple of years or better. So would they give it to him again? Yeah, yeah no. All because right. yeah. it's not going to be three times in a row. Do they want new blood? Do you go like uh, Joker out in Denver mm-hmm. because he's absolute uh, offensive nightmare and they're, I think, second place right now in the yeah, West? Yeah, man. What, what James Harden was able to do just before his hamstring mm-hmm. injury, mm-hmm. carrying the Nets, I think he's, he's in the race, but now he's injured. Right. So that hurts him. LeBron, before LeBron got injured, he's obviously going to be in the top of three, course. top five the way that he always plays. But now he's injured, so we do, do we kick those to the curb. Does it, does it hurt Joel Embiid that he was injured for a little bit? Now he's back because before that he had to be number one in most people's 
rankings because he's done unbelievable stuff with right, the Nets. Right. You know, I just think it's – I look at the MVP race and I say, okay, who's the most popular and who's the best team right now? <sighs> Unfortunately, it's sad, but that's know, what it man. looks like all the time, you yeah. know, because dudes that play at MVP levels that are on like a team in fifth place, it really get no concern. They don't. They don't. And I go really off about this all the time. And Frank is probably it, hearing this. Oh, he's probably going to recite in his head because he's heard me say this on here so many times. I hate the fact that, just like you mentioned, it's a popularity contest. And there's no way that even if you are clearly the best player in the NBA on a team that's straddling making the playoffs, a la Russell Westbrook, when he averaged a triple-double for the first time and the uh, – the Thunder didn't make the playoffs. You can't tell me that he was not the best player in the league that year. But he didn't get it because they didn't make the play. I hate that. LeBron was not the best rookie in the NBA, statistically at least. Um, his rookie season, Melo averaged more. LeBron won it. Overall pick, you know, first overall pick I get out. I don't know how many people know that, but I'm sure you do. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he, 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 he won it because, you know, that's, you know, Akron guy, first overall pick to his hometown, popularity. And I can't stand it, okay? But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But what, that's, that's my MVP. Coach of the year, again, uh, something that a lot of people aren't going to agree with because maybe a lot of people have a Quinn Snyder. I got Tom Thibodeau. I love what the hell he's doing in New York because they're probably going to make the playoffs and he's doing a lot with a little, okay? Uh, rookie of the year, man, I want to go co-rookie of the year so bad. And I was saying this before LaMelo got hurt. But buddy out of Minnesota is doing his thing. LaMelo, obviously, I like co-rookie of the years there. Defensive player of the year, I really have no idea. I guess it's between Embiid and um, and uh, Rudy Gobert. But I was about, on the – go ahead. What about his teammate, Ben Simmons? Or or Ben, an elite he can't, perimeter he defender. He can't play offense for anything, but he can defend. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ben, man. I love Ben. And, I mean, you know, I was listening to Tim Legler on the way into the studio. He said something that I've never even thought about, something very, very interesting. And he said the following. He said he's never even really liked the idea of a big man winning defensive player of the year because he cannot equate a big man with doing everything that a wing can do defensively, covering three guys. The best player on the team is a lot of times a wing player, especially in today's NBA, and to just give it to a guy that is a rim protector is hard for him. I never looked at the defensive player of the year like that, but he has a point. I'm not changing my opinion. I still like big men getting the idea, but I really don't have the defensive player of the year candidate right now. Who's your MVP, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and, and DPOI? Uh, let's go MVP right now. Let's go to Joker. I like Jokic. I think uh, he's a double-double machine. Mm -hmm. He just uh, offensively, he's just disgusting. And then, you know, it's it's new blood for the NBA, so True. it's a new name to go out there. Uh, Coach of the year, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the board. I'm gonna say uh, Monty Williams from uh, Phoenix. Oh, I, I mean, yes, yes. You yes. know, Phoenix is what sitting second or third in the yeah, West. Man. I want to say good. what they're able to do, what they're able to do in the bubble to mm -hmm. end it and go undefeated, even though they didn't make the playoffs in the bubble. That's right. still it's, it's still special to do. Um, rookie, I mean, you know, LaMelo was that dude before he got, yeah, he got injured. I mean, everything that kid was doing was like, dad's annoying and the family's annoying, but the kid's <laughs> special. I think, you know, if, if it's not season ending and he gets back and can do what he did before, he should be able to scoop it up. If not, it's got, it's going to go to the number one uh, draft pick, um, from the Timberwolves, right? Right. Okay. Uh, his name, name. His Anthony, name's skipping my mind right yeah, now. It's horrible. I'll Anthony Edwards? Right there you go. Anthony Edwards. Yes. There you go. So, you know, he, he's done some special things that's made, you know, the highlight reel. So his name's out there, and he's the number one pick. Right. So, right. number one picks always get the love. 
Um, defensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, I'll go Ben Simmons. I mean, okay. I don't really, I don't really like Ben Simmons all around game because he can't shoot a jumper in his NBA with a, a max contract. But defensively, <laughs> I mean, he's what six foot ten guard. You know, guarding like six foot three, six foot four dude. Yeah, not yeah. even fair, but he can guard forwards and everything else. So yeah. I'll go with that. Okay, okay. Um, I think that pretty much covers it, man. I know I totally, totally took you way past um, what you had agreed to come on air for, but I appreciate your time, man. I um, I wanted to. Well, you I, want to talk about soccer now? Uh, you, look, you want to know what? You're probably going to have to talk about Frank with soccer that knows probably more than me because I know Messi and that's it. I follow. Uh, see, man, we got, <laughs> we got to get you more versatile, man. You got to know that soccer, baby. Champions League's on today at 3 o'clock, oh, too, man. but you got to tune in. 3 o'clock. Oof. I'll, tr- I'll be in the car by then, but, you know, I got serious in the car, so I'll, I'll do. I really only pay attention to it during the World Cup, man. That's the only time that I really am hyped about soccer. All right, so look, this is what I always tell people that, you know, aren't into soccer so much start with the club leagues okay. and the champions league right because now you're getting the best of the best against the best of the best as a whole right so okay. teams can cherry pick from every country and pay whatever money they want and put the all-star teams together so you know messi when you go watch messi you'll be able to see the rest of the players the Jean, everybody else on the team surrounding him you know you know ronaldo you'll watch juve even though they've had a terrible year this year but you get to see the guys surrounding him, Delit, everybody else from these different countries. Then you can go, okay, I like this guy, so let me go watch him in the mm. World Cup. Or this summer, we're going to get spoiled, we get the Euros. Mm. So the Euros mm. are this summer, so now you get to watch, obviously, the heavyweights that just won the World Cup in France and their loaded roster because their second team probably could have made it to the semifinals wow. last year in the World Cup. Wow. Then you got Belgium, who's obviously loaded with Lukaku and Hazard um, and everybody else. Then you got England who's my squad, um, and, you know, I don't know why they picked the winner Euros. I would pick them as the third best team going into it. Um, but, they, you know, they surprised everybody and made it to the semis in the World Cup last year with a, a super young team. So I'm, I'm eager to see if what they can do to take the next step with the Euros this summer. But, you listen, I'm telling you, today, <laughs> 3 o'clock, next Tuesday, next Wednesday is the second leg of the quarters right now. You need to watch – Champions League. I'm okay. telling you, you're going to get into it. It's okay. the best of the best. Now, Messi and uh, Ronaldo already got knocked out, but you still got PSG plays Byron today. I mean, Byron's the best, one of the best teams in the world. They're, they're loaded, even though they're down a couple of players because of COVID and an injury. With PSG, you got Mbappe and Neymar. You got to watch Mbappe. He's one of the best young okay. talents in the world, besides uh, Haaland from du- Borussia Dortmund, mm. who played yesterday, who's a to me, he's the second-best number nine in the world right now behind uh, Lewandowski for Bayern Munich. But I'm telling you, bro, you got some games. You got some talent to watch, man. I'm just telling you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. For the very first time on the Michael McCourt Show, we were talking football. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, to, thanks to my boy, Ro, man. But, you know, you'll probably have a really good conversation with, with, with your boy, Dono, about soccer. I know he likes, I know oh, he likes man. soccer well, a lot. When we used to do shows together over at the other station, uh, we would have soccer, you know, talk all the time especially when it was like you know i think it was world cup time uh-huh. i mean i did shows with him and greg likings and greg likings is a huge soccer fan as well and we would have you know conversations on air and people are like are we really talking about soccer right now <laughs> i'm like bro the biggest tournament in the world is going on right, right now so yeah. yes we are talking some soccer instead of off-season football every hour exactly no it's look it's it's fresh it's new i just i just gotta get into it i know the uh, the basic rules, but you know, I, I just I have to give it a chance, and I have to say I really. You have play it. Video, you play video games? I yeah, but I've never touched FIFA. Okay, go get FIFA. It'll change your life. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, hold on. I want to have to agree with Brian here. I'm not a soccer fan either. I'm letting you dig your own hole. But when it comes to video games, FIFA's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, listen, I, I get a lot of my a lot of my football guys over the years. I've gotten them into soccer through FIFA. Right? They've played against FIFA. They played against me or played against friends through FIFA. They get their teams, and they're like, "Yo, this dude's dope, man." I, you know what? I'm like, all right, "I'll give it a chance." And they turn it on. And they see all the dudes they're playing with and be like, yo, that's what to say. Oh, that's what to say. Oh, he speeds like this. Oh, I got to put him on in this position. And then all of a sudden they get addicted. And that's how I get a lot of people into soccer by going through FIFA first. Okay, well, then I, that's going to be my first move. Whenever I do get this PS5, I, I got to hop on FIFA. Okay, big time. There you go, PS5. Okay, <laughs> I see you. My bad, big time. Slam radio. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Brian, man, always a pleasure, man. It won't be, it hasn't, it's not the first time and it definitely won't be the last, my friend. Hey, no problem, my man. You guys have a great day and a great show and enjoy this beautiful day. I appreciate you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and stay on air because we got, we got to call Kylie. We got to call Kylie in a few minutes. So we're just going to stay on air. But that was, that was awesome talk from Brian Monroe. Again, I tell you guys not to put him in a box because as you just heard, he's a soccer player. He's an athlete. He's a receiver. He's a punter. He knows his stuff on the hardwood. The guy's just awesome. He's just awesome <laughs> all around, and I'm really thankful that he, he decided to call in and impart his, his wisdom on, um, on the NFL, everything NFL draft. But we got uh, – and, and, again, I'm sorry. If you guys don't follow him on Twitter, please do so because he's, a, he's, he's, he's just a really good follow. And that's at uh, capital B underscore Monroe, M-O-N-R-O-E 15, and that's on Twitter. And so coming up, and again, we're going to stay right here. We're not going to go ahead and uh, take a break because we're going to call Kylie Wang of Five Reason Sports. That is another individual that uh, you guys need to follow because she is a trip and a half. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, we got her on the line. And thanks for that, Frank. Kylie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for calling in. I really, really appreciate it. I know it's uh, been a while since we're trying to get this going, and life happens, situations happen, but I'm finally really, really glad to have you on the show. Everything good. And, and by the way, let me just share a little background. I know Kylie because she's still over at the U, and um, right now I really want to talk briefly about this, but she's in a class that I absolutely loved. My last semester at the U, actually last year, last spring, took a sports reporting class. For those of you familiar with Michelle Kaufman, who works over at the Herald, she teaches that course. And that, in my opinion, is pr probably the best class I've taken at UM, like the most bang for your buck. We got to cover NBA games. Uh, I wasn't able to cover the Miami Open last year because that's when COVID started and, you know, it just didn't happen. Kylie didn't want to get, about, get, in, um, get into that with her, but how's that class going for you this semester? You know, I feel the same way. I've been at UM for four years, and this is the class for me. Like, this <laughs> is the most amazing class. I feel like we're learning so much. We have so much practical and hands-on experience. Yes. It's amazing. If anyone's yes. thinking about going to U, take Michelle Kaufman's sports reporting class. It's yes. amazing. Yes, it is. It really is. It's only offered in the spring. She only takes it in the, she only does it in the spring. Obviously, you can go to NBA games. The Miami Open. And I wanted to uh, pick your brain about that because if, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not mistaken, you're not much of the tennis type like myself. You know your thing when it comes to football, basketball, and everything else. But am I right to say that uh, tennis is not your forte? Um, yeah, you'd be correct. I did grow up playing a little bit, but mostly just like, you know, whacking balls around with my dad. And I went to tennis camp. I don't think I've ever played a real match. Um, I've actually been getting into it more now, um, both playing and watching, obviously, at this class. Covering the Open was amazing. And I'm actually, as you know, in Kaufman's class, 
everyone is assigned a UM sports beat. Right. Uh, you actually work in concert with someone else who's assigned the same beat, and you kind of compete against each other. And anyways, mine is women's tennis at the U. Mm-hmm. So I actually kind of had – it's almost like I was prepping for the Open by covering the tennis beat at the U. That is sweet. That is sweet. I mean, like I said, I wasn't able to do it because right when COVID hit last year, that was just one of the things. She was so disappointed. She's like, guys, I'm so sorry. Everything went remote and we couldn't do it. But, um, you know, I'm glad you were able to. And, yes, I have been following your tweets about uh, UM Tennis and obviously the, uh, the U.S. Open. But I really wanted to get you on air. And this is another person, ladies and gentlemen, not to put in the boxes. Like I said, she knows her thing about uh, the gridiron. Uh, the NBA, obviously tennis, and she's a hockey. She's a hockey girl too. So, guys, uh, pay attention to Kylie's Twitter account at Kylie R Wang. And I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the Wang Gang. How did that come about? Okay, I feel like nobody believes me about this, but I actually <laughs> I want to put it out there that I did not ask for this. I didn't ask for a shirt. I didn't ask for any kind of hashtag or anything. I had no idea this was happening, okay. and so. The designer that we work with over at the company that I work for, Five Reasons Sports, our designer um, just made the shirt out of nowhere for me. Wow. And I was completely, like, shocked. Like, I had no idea he was making it. You know, I didn't even know him super well. I mean, obviously, we work together. He's a great guy. I, I like him. He likes me, apparently enough to make me a shirt. So <laughs> he made me the shirt, and he literally just, like, texted me the link to it, like, with no contact. Wow. Yeah, and so then it like became a thing, and, and you know, obviously I like it. I'm, I'm about it. Wang gang, I absolutely <laughs> all my friends have them. Some random people like have them. Like I don't even know them. I know them. You know, I guess you follow me on Twitter. There's a guy in England who like he wears them and around to like no landmarks way. in England and like takes pictures picture of like landmarks in England with his shirt on. Super no cute. Wait, that is. I, I want one. Where can I get one? I will send you the link. It's on 5reasonsports.com if you guys want to go. Um, okay. We have a, a little merchandise website. You guys can buy your own land <laughs> <laughs> I want one. I, I love it. I, I um I like the idea. It's orange and green. It has little glasses at the end. I, I like it. I think it's really clever, and I think that's really cool that they did that for you. Um, Kylie, let's talk about your Heat, man. They had a really, really interesting week last week uh, on, the, on the trade deadline. Everybody was sweating it out if you're a Heat fan. They were looking at the clock, 2 o'clock, 2.15, 2.30, 2 Oh, my God, Riley's not going to make a move. And then last minute, and well, this is the rule, the how, the how the NBA trade deadline works is the deal does not have to be done by the 3 o'clock deadline. You have to be on the trade call before 3 o'clock, meaning anything – after that can happen. That's exactly what happened. They picked up Vic Oladipo, and, you know, everybody was happy about it, and it was a hell of a move. It seemed like Miami gave up nothing to get a really good player. Um, how are you feeling right now about the Heat? Um, I'll be honest with you. I have – so I haven't – and I've said this before, so I don't want anyone to be mad at me. <laughs> I haven't been super invested in the Heat this season, not because I don't love them or think they're going to do well, um, just because I've been covering the Panthers for five reasons, so I've been a little bit focused on them. I'm writing a thesis and taking this. As you know, the sports supporting class takes a lot yes, out of you. Yes, yes. very busy. Um, and I have four other classes, including my thesis. So I haven't been paying super close attention to the Heat, but I'm aware of everything. I was aware of the Oladipo trade. I always kind of had a feeling that Oladipo was going to be on the the market for them because I remember, like, last year in the bubble when they played the Pacers and um, – Yes. And he was like, he was definitely like, there were definitely some mm-hmm. recruiting stuff mm-hmm. there. I have a picture that I tweeted when the trade went through of like Oladipo looking at Bam at a bio. <laughs> and he just looks like so in love with him. I like, saw that. 
Yeah. So I always kind of hoping that that was on the table. Um, and obviously the options were getting, you know, slimmer and slimmer as the trade deadline reached, you know, that point. So I was just really excited that they got anyone and that it happened to be Oladipo, who's a really good player um, and fits a good role in their system. Um, right as it stands right now, 26 and 25, uh, four and six in their last 10. Home slightly above uh, 500, they're 14 and 13, and they're exactly at 500 on the road. And you know, in the conference, 16 and 15, they're they're pretty much 500 across the board in any statistical you know category you look at in terms of like records. If the playoffs started today, they'll be playing the Bucks, a team that they made look silly last season. Both teams are not a little bit different. They're a lot different. They these rosters, I mean, the key pieces are still there, but the surrounding pieces are completely different. I know that, um, you know, he Twitter's a confident bunch. How are you feeling about if the playoffs were to start today, that first-round matchup against Milwaukee? Um, I feel really good about it. I think that um, while this season was a little bit disappointing, especially in the beginning, I think that at, this, at, the, at its core, it's the same team. Um, and they had that winning formula versus the Bucs. I don't think that should right. change. Um, right. I'd be more worried about other teams in the East, like whatever the Nets are doing right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> That, that is going to be much more of a challenge for them. But also, I don't see the Heat generally as a, a first-round exit team, you know, like especially okay. in this roster. Okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, um, I'm a, a huge, huge advocate, advocate of intangibles being a really important thing in sports. Talent is great. Give me talent. You need talent to win. But I've seen so many times that talent does not win, okay? And, I mean – in terms of the NBA, the biggest example I could point to, or the, my favorite example that I, that I like to point to, is when uh, the Pistons beat the Lakers in five games in the NBA Finals. I think it was like 04 or maybe 05. And the Lakers had four out of their five starters. Those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. You got Kobe, Shaq, uh, uh, Gary Payton, and Carl Malone, okay? And they lost to a team that a lot of people considered to be very boring because they played great defense and they didn't have a quote-unquote superstar. They lost to that Pistons team. So uh, going back, I'm connecting that to the Heat because they have one of the best coaches in the NBA, period, all right? And I think one of the hardest things to do in sports is find guys that are willing to buy in. And the Heat do, out of anything else that that franchise does from top to bottom, they find guys that are willing to buy in. They don't care. They don't have egos. They just want to win. Jimmy Butler fits that role perfectly. And so if they get that going and, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the whole culture thing starts kicking in, you saw what they can do. They went through last year all the way to the finals, took the Lakers to six games. So that's always a thing. Um I wanted to ask you about your Dolphins because they have something coming up on the 29th called the NFL Draft. They got six pick. Who's Kylie picking? General Manager Wang. Who's she picking? Okay. I want to also preface this by saying that I hate the draft. Not that I hate <laughs> the draft. I, like, I don't watch college football Okay. Um, other than the U. I don't like – I don't really like college football, to be honest with you. Um, and a lot of people <sighs> – Blasphemy. I know. Um, but I just um, – from what I've seen and from the little research that I've done, um, I really like Pitts. Um, okay. I'd like to see that draft, but I honestly would be happy with – there's a, a multitude of guys that I would be happy with. Um, I think Chase is one of them, and there's just – there's so much talent there. Yeah. Um, and I really – the trades with the 49ers and the Eagles for the draft picks was just, like, amazing. Like, I Chris Greer put on his Pat Riley yeah, mask man. and went to work, and I'm really excited for what they do, and I trust Chris Greer, Chris Greer pretty much – 
Um, you know, the last few years he's done a really good job, so I'm going to place my trust in him and be happy with whoever he chooses. But there are definitely certain needs that need to be met, and I think in that first round it'll be a pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, look, I, we, I just talked about this, uh, got off the phone with Brian Moreau in the last segment before we called you, and, you know, that's probably the guy that's going to be there because, you know, at five you got the Bengals. He pointed out that they can go – there's probably three guys you can circle for that pick, you know, Pitts, Chase, who played with uh, Joe Burrow a couple years ago in college. But then, you know, Burrow got hurt last year and he needs to stay upright. So, you know, they may go linemen there. Even if they do go Pitts, there's a bunch of guys that Dolphins uh, will be happy with if Pitts is gone. Jamar Chase being one of those guys, uh, so on and so forth. Bottom line is they need to surround Tua with talent. Um, if they do a good job of of uh, of surrounding him with you know a nice running back, pass catch, or whatever the case is, uh, Dolphins had a nice defense last year as well. Is this the year that they make some noise in the playoffs? Do you feel? Um, I think that like it's going to be a very um steady climb for them in terms of progression. So I think this year they definitely make the playoffs. Okay. Maybe it's the first exit. Maybe they make the second round. I don't see them making the Super Bowl. I think that is, you know, maybe two or three years down the line for them. Okay. Um, if everything keeps going according to plan like it is right now. Okay. No, I agree with that because, I mean, look, their division is is, is getting – got better because oh, of free agency. God. Definitely the path. <laughs> All of a sudden the AFC East is good. And the Patriots are, the, are like the bad team. It's like the most complete, like – 180 in the world. It's so, <laughs> so quick. And everyone's all of a sudden the Bills are good. Like, what? <laughs> They're I mean, back. Like, the Patriots are like, yeah, you forgot about me. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, last year they had the most COVID opt outs in the NFL. Nobody can tell me that that didn't affect how that team looked. Okay. Especially Cam Newton, who a lot of people like to write off. And I have not yet. I'm still. Uh, I root for him, okay? The guy has, you know, some injuries that he's dealing with. He had COVID last year, and, you know, he didn't re really have anybody to throw to last year. So I'm not really done with him, how others, or how, how others are saying. You just mentioned the Bills. You know, they came out of nowhere. They have an MVP uh, caliber player in um, – what's their quarterback's name? I forgot. I can't remember right now, but that guy, okay? And, you know, their defense <laughs> – there we go. <laughs> and their defense is no slouch. And then, you know, they have Dolphins who what and what – won 10 games last year, right? Yeah, the Dolphins did, like, admirably well for for last year. Um, I think so. They won 10 games, and, you know, they, they were that close to making playoffs. It was one of those things where it was, like, at mm -hmm. the very end, it was, someone else needed to win and someone else needed right. to lose. Like, or they could have just won out and they ended up losing a game, so then it, it came down to the war. And I think something was, like, the Raiders had to win or lose or something, and then the right. opposite happened. So, they, right. you know, they were just barely edged out in, like, the last possible day. Yeah, and um, one of those things was, okay, well, you know, March, uh, not Mark, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he was leading the way and Tua was getting his time in. I think Tua had a nice year last year in terms of learning and doing what he could on the field. It was kind of like a game manager. It felt like the Dolphins really didn't let him go out and sling it. Obviously, that's going to change this year because he's he's got the keys to, you know, the Beamer, the Ferrari, whatever you want to call it, and this is his team, all right? Got to keep him healthy and, you know, make him look good, surround him with, uh, with some talent. But um, before we get off here, I wanted to ask, you, you're with five reasons what's your favorite thing about working with those guys because that is a hugely successful network they got a lot of they got a lot of followers on twitter and you work closely with a lot of guys there that are you know known in you know sports media so what, what do you like best about working with them um i guess it would just be 
I mean, this is going to sound self-serving, but it was just all the opportunities I've gotten working there. You know, I, I made it very clear very early on that I was willing to do, I mean, they hired me for campus coverage, school campus coverage. And then COVID hit like a month later yeah. and there was just no real, real, there's really nothing for me to do. So I just made it very clear. I was like, if you want me to cover the Dolphins, I can cover the Dolphins. If you want me to cover the heat, I can cover the heat. If you want me to learn an entirely new sport, I'll cover that too. <laughs> um, and, you know, I ended up covering esports for them. I I always, this close to covering NASCAR for them. That wow. didn't happen in the end because um, I didn't get a credential in time. But, you know, I, I just, it's great to work there because there's a lot of sway in terms of, you know, getting credentials and stuff like that. And I've been able to learn a lot from my other coworkers. And, you know, it's, it's, we're in this like huge Twitter thread message thread. There's like, you know, like 50 to 75 people. And we're always talking about sports and stuff. It's really fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. And listen, I say to anyone that has a career in sports media, it's, it's not work because getting paid to write and or talk about sports, that's like, it's it's cheating. It's kind of like stealing money, isn't it? Isn't it fun? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it is. It's super fun. I mean, also though, to be fair, people don't realize that you're right. It doesn't really feel like work when you're doing it until there's like a deadline or something, and then all of a sudden it's work. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're at your like wit's end trying to get something into a deadline. That's one of the nice things about working at Five Reasons. It's not like a huge like deadline based company. Oh, okay. Um, but. When I write for a newspaper, or I write for a magazine yes, or whatever, there's different. a very clear deadline, right. and that's when it becomes like a lot of hard work. Or sometimes, you know, interviewing people, sometimes they're just not good interviews. You know, it, it uh-huh. takes a lot of talent. So for anyone who's interested in doing it, take sports reporting, Michelle Kaufman at UM, and, and then and then make your decision <laughs> yeah. on whether or not you want to do it. <laughs> Professor Kaufman would be proud of hearing that. She's awesome. Again, uh, she's a sports writer for the Miami Herald, so follow her on Twitter. Follow Kylie. Uh, at K-Y-L-I-E-R Wang. Uh, she calls herself a bad gamer and a good worder for Five Reasons Sports. I really don't know what she's on, uh, like on the gaming side of things, but take her advice. We'll see. But, Kylie, I really, really appreciate your time, okay? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Not a problem. It won't be the last time. You have a great day and you stay safe. You too. All right. All right, guys, that was two back-to-back segments without a break. We got to take one now because I need a breather. I need some water. So um, I appreciate you guys sticking around for those uh, interviews. Really, really good one with Brian Segment followed by Kylie Wang right now. Both you uh, fam, how I like to call them. So just stick around. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Mark McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay. Back. And I see Frank is doing his DJ thing again. I really appreciate this guy. Mm. I swear I know the worst of this song, but I am not going to serenade you guys right now. But I do, I, I know. But you know the words the Rapper's Delight or Gangster's Delight? Rapper's Delight. You, you remember Gangster's Delight? No. Wait. That's the, re- that's, that's, which one is that? That's the Red Man version of yes, Rapper's Delight. Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's very similar. Very similar. It's very similar. There's, 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 there's very I think the first verse is the exact same thing. Yeah. And then after that, it goes to its own thing, and he has two other guys with him. Eric Sermon, I forgot the other yeah. guy's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like subtle differences, but it's like, it's. I, I love that version. 
But um, thanks for holding it down, Frank. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around through that extended break. And you're, we're back on the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. And I just wanted to recap because of the last few segments, we had Brian Monroe, and I had him on air longer than expected, but it was an awesome segment. We talked about uh, the Canes Pro Day, his experience at his Pro Day, um, you know, the NFL draft, and we got a little bit into the NBA. And then uh, the beautiful Kylie Wang, I've been wanting to get her on there for a long time. She's, she's awesome, and we talked about you know her coverage of the Miami Open. Uh, we share a, uh, a common thread in the, in the fact that she's taking a class sports reporting right now at UM, and um, I took that a couple semesters ago, so she's you know doing her reporting thing there. And uh, I wanted to recap both of those segments because, first and foremost, I got ESPN in front of me right now, and the... The Falcons, give me one second here. The Falcons are open to trading the number four overall pick. They're open to trading the number four overall pick right now, and I'm not sure if that was news before now, but this is my – and everybody that listens to me and, you know, tunes into the show or follows me on Twitter knows this, that when it comes to being a team that is not so good with a high draft pick and has a lot of, uh, you know, capital in terms of how high the pick is, uh, and you need pieces, trade it. Trade it. Trade the pick, trade the pick, trade the pick, trade the pick, trade the pick. Mike Ryan is on the way out. Yeah, I know they need a quarterback. So what? Uh, what is he going to do? Throw to himself? Trade the pick, okay? Um, they lost the Super Bowl a couple years. They were in the Super Bowl, but it seems like forever ago because they haven't been a thing ever since. And it's funny because uh, there are franchises like the Falcons, like the Raptors, that no matter what they do, I cannot take them seriously, Okay. Falcons had a chance to win the Super Bowl. They blew it, okay? The only Super Bowl to ever go into overtime, and they were up big. I don't even remember what the score was. I think it was like 28 to, I don't know. I don't even think the Patriots had 10 points. And and, and they blow it, okay? The Patriots come back, and they lose. I'm sorry, they win. Um... I was I've I've never taken that franchise seriously. Even when they were bet to the even when they went to the Super Bowl with long time ago, uh, Jamal Anderson doing a dirty bird dance, you know, in that huge running game. I think he had at the time. I don't know if it's still an NFL record, but the most carries in a season. Dan Reeves rode that all the way, and you know they lost. I think it was to the Broncos or whoever it was. I think it was the Broncos. And it like the Raptors. I just I can't take those teams seriously. And yes, you're telling you're probably thinking, well, Mike, the Raptors just won the NBA championship. Do you remember who they played? They played the JV version of the Golden State Warriors. So, I mean, come on. A healthy KD, healthy Steph, healthy Clay. That series is over in five games, maybe four. A gentleman sweep. They'll be nice about it, and they'll give them five. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's something about it. And I don't have anything against those franchises. It's just they don't do anything for me to move the needle, okay? And, uh, you know, when they drafted Matt Ryan, I didn't think Matt Ryan was going to be this good, but... Apparently, he's had a Hall of Fame career, I guess. If you ask certain people, he doesn't strike me as a Hall of Famer, but you look at his numbers and, you know, I guess, you know, they compare to other guys that are in there at, you know, certain points or whatever. I don't know. But I saw that in front of, the, in front of me right now on the screen, and I thought it was worth noting because they have the first pick in the draft right now, right? And then you're going quarterback, 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 the first three, 100%, no doubt about it, because – uh, if I have it pulled up here right now, where's the NFL draft order? Okay, number one, we all know Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they're going uh, Trevor Lawrence, Sunshine out of Clemson. All right, the Jets, and listen, I'm a Niners fan. If they go ahead and they mess up and they take Zach Wilson, <laughs> Zach Wilson 
I say mess up not because Zach Wilson is a bad quarterback. I say mess up because, to me, uh, Justin Fields is clearly a, a, a better quarterback than him and probably the second-best quarterback in college football. That dude got better as the season went on more than any other player or quarterback did in college football last year, namely quarterbacks, okay? I really feel that way. Uh, Trevor Lawrence... The guy's been good since day one. The guy's been great since day one, okay? But I think, and I don't know if 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 the uh, amount of games had anything to do with it. They played less lesser games than anybody else. Uh, they got into the college football playoff, but Ohio State, man. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not Ohio State, but uh, Justin Fields, he he – I felt he got better with every single game that went by. I really do. And he showed up and showed out in uh, the in the first round, in the semifinal, in the playoffs when they beat Clemson. Because remember last year, they thought they should have won that game. And it was a really close game. It came down to, I think, an interception in the fourth quarter really, really late in the game. A game they really should have won, actually. They probably played better than Clemson. They deserved to win that game. They just made a little, you know, they made more mistakes than Clemson. And you cannot do that with an offense as potent as, as, as Clemson had, you know, two years ago or even last year, all right, ever since Trevor Lawrence has been there pretty much. But Justin Fields can make every throw on the field, okay? He's a natural-born leader. The dude's super athletic. He looks like a quarterback. He eats, breathes, and sleeps football. That's what you want. And my favorite thing about Trevor – I'm sorry, uh, Justin Fields is guys gravitate toward him. They really, really do, and I get it. Uh, being a rookie quarterback in the NFL, you're going to have to earn a lot of these guys' respect. You know, these guys are grown men, okay, 30-year-olds or whatever, that are going to be protecting you and catching balls from you and coaching you. So you have to, you have to, hold, you have to hold your, you know, do your part. But I really think, and he's not going to start, you know, uh, uh, let's say he does go to the Niners or uh, the Jets. He'll obviously be the starter there. But I'm hoping, as a Niner fan, that the, that the Jets don't take him, and I'm hoping that my Niners don't mess up and and take what's his name from from Alabama, uh, the quarterback Mac, uh, Jones. Mac Jones. Thank you, thank you for that, Frank. Um, the name escaped me, but and I don't dislike Mac Jones. Okay, listen, if you're playing for Nick Saban, there's one thing that you cannot do. Well, many things that you can't do, but the one thing that you can't do at quarterback is make mistakes. You cannot throw interceptions, all right? And I get it. Everything is tailor-made for you at Alabama because you got a five-star hand, uh, running back to hand off to, probably two five-star receivers to throw to, and maybe five five-star linemen in front of you protecting you because that's just how it is at Bama. I don't care, okay? In you know college football or in the NFL, you can have all the tours that you want. Uh, the quarterback position is probably the only position in football that is measured from the head up, okay? It's what you have between the ears. And, you know, you don't have to have all the tools. I saw a guy by the name of Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl for crying out loud. I get it. He had defense. I Thank you, Frank. He <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. He had the greatest defense ever, okay, ever. More, I'm sorry, 86 Bears, I don't care. They can literally score three points on offense, and they were winning at least 11. Hey, 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 get it right. 85 Bears, 80, right? That was so, the team. That was the Monsters so, of Midway there. Monsters of Midway. 85 Bears. I, I stand corrected. Frank, thank you for that. But um, at least the greatest defense I've seen in my lifetime. I'm 37, okay? So, listen, I was only two years old to see those 85 Bears, and I clearly have no memory. But um, I saw Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl, okay? Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, and they had a running game. They had a defense. I get it, but that's just proof that, you know, you don't need every single tool in the book to 
to have a ring on your finger, okay? And I'm talking about a Super Bowl ring, not the other ring. But um, oh, that, that, that goes towards women, too. Just want you to know. <laughs> yes. Sorry. It I really don't. does. No, it's fine, Frank. And so, you know, that's my thing. Um, you don't make that trade to get Mac Jones. That's my thing with the Niners. I don't think they, they're going to do it. I trust Kyle um, – not Kyle Shanahan. Um, oh, my God. Help me out. John Lynch, the GM for the Niners – all the, with everything. And this is coming from a guy that I didn't want them to draft Nick Boza. I didn't because I wanted weapons for Jimmy G, okay? But Nick Boza was a home run. You know, rookie of the year, a guy that you cannot block one-on-one, a guy that Eric Fisher got dogged over and over and over, the starting left tackle for the uh, for the Super Bowl, for the then Super Bowl champion um, Kansas City Chiefs. And I think he was like the number one overall pick whenever he came out. Definitely top three uh, first tackle taken. Nick Boza schooled him. So I clearly don't know anything about GMing, but I trust John Lynch with everything. I don't think you make that move going up or, or even to draft the guy out of North Dakota State. Um, you know, this quarterback that they have that everybody's talking about. The thing with North Dakota State is they played, they canceled their season because of COVID, but they had a showcase game just so they can show off this quarterback. And listen, I get it. You know, you really, if you can play, you can play. They'll find you under a rock. But I'm a huge, huge uh, advocate of seeing it get done versus top-tier talent. And I don't know, nothing strikes me about North Dakota State being or, or having guys on their schedule that, you know, fit that mold and, oh, they did it against, you know, whatever, or this team. I don't care. I mean, look at what's-his-name now. Uh, they used to be with the uh, with the Eagles, and now he got traded to where? Uh, the Bears? Uh, former former top uh, pick for Nick the Foles? Eagles. Not Nick Foles. The guy that Nick Foles came in for and Wentz? won those. Yes, Carson Wentz. Thank you. Um, I'm drawing a whole I'm bunch just, of I'm blanks. I'm just hearing positions and teams, and I'm just throwing names <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a whole bunch of blanks here. Thank God for Frank today. But uh, Carson Wentz, and I get it. Carson Wentz, for a lot of people that um, are probably telling me not to dog him right now, he a lot of people consider him we're having as to having an MVP-type season before he got hurt the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And I agree with that. But – what have you done since? You know, the guy's wildly inconsistent, you know, and I don't know. I just – I if they draft Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, they being the Niners at three, I will be highly disappointed. Highly, highly, highly disappointed. That leads me to where I started off the segment, starting off with the Falcons are open to trading the fourth overall pick right now, okay? When you're that bad and you have that many holes to fill, I don't care what's – maybe basketball, but not, not in football – one guy's not going to move the needle for you. Trade the pick, and then you got whatever you got. You got more assets to get better, okay? Talking about Atlanta, that's a big city. They need their football team to be good, okay? Um, <laughs> somebody made a comment, and they were saying, Atlanta really needs to win this Super Bowl because, my God, they've had the Hawks, who were horrible forever. The Braves are just not starting to get good. Uh, that was their first uh, – sniff at you know being a winning city in forever and they dropped the ball they fumbled their opportunity and you know now look at them now and you know whatever that's a huge city huge market they they need something they got thank god they have the basketball team playing well for them right now but uh you know everybody loves football and especially in the south especially if you're in georgia that's a football state man say what you want about the hawks when you think about Georgia, you think about football at every level, high school, college, and pro. So um, that's happening. There have a couple of other notes that I want to get into, and I'm going to go ahead and switch gears right now. I'm going to go back to the hardwood, guys, because um, I want to talk about Brooklyn and their big three. In case you haven't heard of it and you've been living under a rock, you got KD, 
former MVP and NBA champion. You got Kyrie Irving, and then you got a guy by the name of James Harden, who is out for at least 10 days, not games, 10 days, as reported by ESPN's Malika Andrews yesterday. Um, he played in just four minutes before he was ruled out for the remainder of Monday's uh, game. Uh, they won against the Knicks, 114-112, to 112 because of right hamstring tightness. Uh, his brief return, okay, and I say return because it came after he missed the Nets' previous two games dealing with that same tightness. Oh, injuries suck, man. And if, listen, the Raptors won their NBA championship because of injuries, okay? Because KD was down, because Clay, Clay Thompson was down, and because Steph wasn't, you know, his best version of, the best version of himself, all right? Uh, funny thing is, KD's likely to return tonight versus the Pelicans. So it's like, you know, they can't get any inconsistency. And here's their proof. They've only played seven games together, okay? Seven games together. And that kind of is... A blessing in disguise because they've only played seven games together. However, all right, you look at the NBA standings right now, and they're 35 and 16. That's tied for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. So, listen, I don't think it's crazy to say that those three healthy, and they're coming out of the East, okay? The way Philly's looking right now, that's probably going to be your Eastern Conference finals, okay? Because Philly's, they're, they're playing great. And I was listening to Tim Legler on the way into the studio on SiriusXM, and he said something very, very, very true that I really didn't even think about, all right? They have somebody called Joel Embiid, okay, who's in the running to win uh, league MVP. But the thing about Joel Embiid, and, you know, it's not like if he broke any, any uh broke any news here, Tim Legler, by saying this, but the way in which he worded it made you say like, huh, okay. He flat out said that Brooklyn healthy, Philly healthy, Brooklyn probably takes that series. Okay, cool. But Joel Embiid has something that no other team in the NBA, I'm sorry, the Sixers have something that no other team in the NBA has, and it's the way that they can attack you with Joel Embiid, okay? Inside, outside, and I get it. There's bigs that can do the same thing. No, not really. They can't do it at the way that Joel's doing because when Joel is focused and locked in, I used to say AD, okay? And I probably, I probably, I probably will still say AD as being the best big in, you know, the NBA if these guys are both healthy. But I don't know if I've seen AD play the way Joel is playing right now, okay? Because Joel's dominating. Capital D. Capital D dominating, all right? Uh, last night he had, I think he had 41 points, if I'm not mistaken, against the uh Where's the game here? Against the Celtics, okay? And I'm going to pull up his stat line really quick. Uh, he only did it hitting one three-pointer. And those of you that were listening a couple weeks ago when uh, Larry, you know, had a drop-the-mic moment, and he was right. You know, part of the reason Joel is being uh, considered for the MVP is because he's doing great behind the line. But, you know, playing devil's advocate, I think the other part is because he's not taking as many threes. And Doc Rivers said, take your big you know what, down there in that paint, park your butt in that paint and take more twos, take less threes. I'm sorry, if you're seven foot, 280 pounds and can move like he can, you want to know what I saw Joel Embiid do last night that I, well, yeah, it was last night that just made my jaw drop. He was on the right elbow, okay, and he was going left to right, right to left with his dribble, and then he starts to attack with his right hand, but then he pulled off a step back and he created eight feet of distance between him and the defender and it blew my mind because when you think about that I've only seen guys like KD do that 
And this dude at seven foot two eighty, I'm sorry, but that's what Tim Legler was talking about, and he was saying how, you know, they have ways to attack you that no other team can. If he gets on a roll, look, 35 points last night, 9 of 19, 16 of 20 from the free throw line. And he did it off of 4 of 18. I'm sorry. Where is it right here? Here it is. Yeah, 19 of 19. Uh, went to the free throw line a lot. There's one thing that I would like to see him dominate more on, and that's being on the board. And you want to know who gets on this, on him a lot about this too? The one and only Shaquille O'Neal the most dominant physical force that the NBA has ever seen. Shaq gets on him a lot about that, but you want to know why that's probably not going to happen? Because he doesn't spend 100% of his time underneath the rim. I get it. In today's NBA, you want to take advantage of a big that can shoot. But Joel only had six rebounds last night. And in the NBA, this is something that will never change. I don't care if it's 2050 or 2090 or 20 uh, whatever year it is, 100 years from now. One thing will never change in the NBA, and that's winning in the playoffs. Three things that you need. You need half-court offense, okay? You need to rebound, and you need to play defense. My uh, basketball mind added a fourth thing a couple years ago to that, uh, to that formula. And I think in the NBA playoffs, you also need interchangeable parts defensively to win. Because that's exactly what the Warriors proved a couple years ago. They didn't have any lights-out defenders. Well, Draymond. Okay, I take that back. But other than that, they didn't have any lights-out defenders on that team. You had, uh, you had, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank right now. The Brazilian dude, the point guard, the Brazilian dude, Leandro Barbosa. He was fiery. He was defensive. Okay, cool. You had Sean Livingston, who I love, the wiry 6'7 point guard that can post up since when do you hear right now of a point guard posting up but he did it okay and he could defend but the Warriors had guys that could defend uh two three and four positions Draymond Clay is an all is a, is a great 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 defender so I take that back they had two guys that okay but um multiple uh I'm sorry what did I say what did I call it? interchangeable parts defensively Clay Dre Sean Livingston okay and they had centers like uh right right now okay there's a uh well, I'm not going to pull up the roster. I'm just I'm 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 ad-libbing here right now. I'm freestyling. But I those are the four things right now that I really think that you need to win in the playoffs, okay? You got to score in the half court because defenses will condense things for you. You're not going to have this free-flowing offense going up and down the court with 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 uh fast breaks all the time because teams are going to get back and since teams are going to rebound, okay? The chances of you having a fast break and then you know them getting back, those are less. So, you got to play defense. You got to score in the half court. You have to be able to defend at every level and you need interchangeable parts because right now it's you know a positionless basketball something that you know you know the great Eric Spolster has coined a couple years ago and he probably started that movement but my god man that's probably going to be your Eastern Conference Finals as it stands right now as the way teams are looking and the way these teams are playing you're looking at Philly you're looking at Brooklyn and if healthy I'm sorry I got Brooklyn coming out but I wanted to talk about them going back to, you know, talking about Brooklyn because they got to stay healthy, man. They got to stay healthy. But like I said, if there's a silver lining, these their big three only played seven games together and they're still tied for first in the Eastern Conference after only playing seven games together. If that team gets healthy, I don't care. Talk about their, their, their lack of defense all you want. You're not outscoring them. You're not outscoring them. If Harden has a bad day, you go KD. <laughs> if KD has a bad day, you go Kyrie. All three of them are not going to have bad games at the same time. It's just not going to happen. You got guys that have won 
uh, NBA Finals on that team. You got shooters on that team. You got good coaching, despite Steve Nash being a first-year coach. Look at his staff, okay? That guy has brands on that staff, and, you know, he, he's not doing it by himself. A coach is only as good as his staff, and that goes for every sport, football, uh, at any level. I mean, Nick Saban says it all the time. He's good because his staff is great. Okay, and, and that's coming from the greatest college football coach that I've ever seen, but probably the greatest college football coach of all time. No shade to Bear Bryant. Um, Bama fans will probably say the same thing about that, too. But uh, KD returns tonight, and that's all I want to talk about Brooklyn. But um, I want to talk about the Hawks, too, because ever since they fired their coach, uh, they've been looking up. Okay, did you know that the Hawks went 11 of 11 from the three-point line in the third quarter last night? That's insane. They scored 60 points on three-pointers. This is a team that I'm looking at is, okay, you know, got a nice regular season team. As it stands right now, if the playoffs ended today, and let me pull up the um, the standings. I'm on a different screen here. I had it up in front of me. Here we go. NBA standings. In the Eastern Conference as it stands right now, the, the – uh, where is it? Come on, Mike. I pulled up soccer. What am I doing? Okay. Um, and I'm sorry for not having this in front of me, but – um, this, uh, the Hawks right now, they're fourth, so they'll go up against the Hornets, okay? Uh, 27 and 24, the Hawks are right now. The Hornets, again, if the playoffs ended today, 25 and 24, that's a 4-5 matchup. A 4-5 matchup I'd probably be a little bit more intrigued with if LaMelo Ball was healthy. Um, I think he's going to be out for the year. We don't know. That's a wrist injury, playing basketball, even if, if, even if it is your offhand, okay? That's a debilitating injury. For a point guard who's been running this offense since, you know, you know, the moment he got drafted, okay, and is the reason why the Charlotte Hornets are in the playoffs. I mean, they're pretty, they're still holding the fort down without him, okay. In their last ten, they're five and five, all right. Uh, but that'll be the first round matchup, and I'm probably betting on the Hawks in that series. So Hawks likely getting into the second round if they play the Hornets. If things started right now in terms of the NBA playoffs, but they went off last night, man. And you know, a team that uh, you look at their roster, a lot of young guns, a lot of young guns. The only thing that I hate about having so many young players on a team in the NBA is because they don't stick around. Okay, name me the last time you can remember a young team in the NBA winning it all. Okay, I'm talking about you built it from the draft. The Warriors did it. They did it. Okay, they drafted Dre. They crapped. They drafted Clay. They drafted Steph. That core big three. They won. Okay, I get it. But when, how often does that happen? You guys remember, uh, you know, that really, really exciting Clippers team a long, long time ago that had Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson, Kayon Dooling. Those guys were so fun to watch, okay? Everybody talks about getting young and wanting to get younger and, you know, we're going to build through the draft. That's not what wins. Look at your NBA champions. They're all veteran teams. Even when the Heat won and they had LeBron, that was a fairly young team, but that was a veteran team, okay? Wade had already a ring, all right, that he won with Shaq, okay. Um, you know, Bosch was the best power forward in the league, and you're not declared the best power forward in the league after playing two years in the NBA. Those were guys in their prime, but they weren't spring chickens, okay. LeBron was still, you know, what, 25, 26 years old. At that time, he was going into his, like, what, seventh, eighth year in the league, okay. You win with experience, you win with chemistry, you win with coaching, and you win with, uh, with vets, I'm not saying that, you you know, a young guy can't help you, but since when do you see young teams sticking together, for one, okay, long enough to win an NBA champion? It just doesn't happen. You're likely gone after their rookie year, especially if you have three and four guys on your NBA roster that you got to pay all this money to. 
just just doesn't happen. That's why I just I'm not taking Atlanta serious. Just like I said, there's just certain teams. Well, actually, I was talking about the Raptors, but in this regard, the Hawks, man, um, I just don't see them sticking together. Trey uh, Young, I see him being there for a long time. Okay, cool if they can build around him, but they're gonna need some vets. Period. I don't care what anybody says. You just it's just not in the NBA. It doesn't happen like that. Um, but they went off last night. Okay, 11 for 11 from the three-point line. Um, I want to talk about the acquisition that the Bucks, I'm not the Bucks, I'm sorry, that the Nuggets made about uh, at the trade deadline when they acquired Aaron Gordon. Listen, this is coming from a guy that has not taken the uh, Nuggets seriously for a long time. I didn't think that Jamal Murray was that dude going into the playoffs last year. I just didn't see it, okay? And I still have, they're, they're significantly less. They're completely 100% significantly less, but I still have questions surrounding Jamal Murray, and I'll tell you why. Remember when he went on a tear last year in the playoffs, and he was just lights out. For two series in a row, the Nuggets were down 3-1, to one, all right? And, you know, he puts them on his back. Jokic you know, puts a team on his back. Both of those guys doing great work, and... They win the series. They beat the Clippers, and I forgot who else. They were down 3-1, and they came back and won against. But, all right, and, you know, they make it to the the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. And was that the Jazz? There. It was probably the Jazz. I think it was the Jazz round one. Or the Jazz round one. Okay, there you go. And then the Clippers round two, and then they lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Jamal Murray goes off, okay? But the thing with him is he will have this crazy game in which he's clutch in everything you want from a scorer, 30-plus points, Taking the, the, the clutch shots and making them, getting to the free throw line, involving all of those things. But then the next game, he has five points. That can't happen in the playoffs. That can't ha- you, you, you just cannot happen in the playoffs if you're about that life, if you want to win. It, it just can't happen. So all this time, I'm thinking, I'm looking at the Nuggets and I'm saying, they need another wing. You know, uh, if Michael Porter can step up and be that dude, then okay. But I'm still kind of sketchy on them. The last thing that I thought that would benefit them and it would be a really, really, really good piece was an athletic big. Let me tell you something. I won't be surprised to see them take out the Clippers in a series, although I won't pick them to beat the Clippers in a series because of the addition of Rajon Rondo. You don't trust them? I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I like Mike Malone as a coach. I really, really do. I think he's one of those coaches that, you know, he has his players' attention. He's one of those coaches, and Thibodeau's really the only one. As great as Eric Spolster is, I don't even see with his team, okay? And the players on the Heat respect the hell out of Eric Spolster. But there's one thing with Mike Malone that I compared Tom Thibodeau to, and whenever there's a huddle, those players aren't leaving that huddle. They're like all eyes on coach. Tom Thibodeau, don't you dare leave his huddle. Don't you dare be talking to the ref. Don't you dare be having conversation with, you know, someone on the sideline. Nah, it's just not happening. You blame those players, though? You blame those players? Because I watch a TV, and I watch a Thibodeau or a Monroe huddle, and I'm intimidated sitting on my couch (laughs) thousands of miles away. So do you blame those guys? I don't. Yeah, man. So I like Malone. He's a good leader. Guys, listen to him. And if you look at that roster, listen, the way they have constructed that roster, again, this is coming from a guy that said, I think they need another wing. Maybe, you know, another 3 and D guy. Who knows? But you look at the roster, okay? And from top to bottom, Will Barton, athletic. Bull Bull, this is a guy in the preseason that was playing point guard at 7-2. Manute Bull's son. He can play. He can play, but he's not getting the minutes right now. At 7-2-2-20, no, not yet. Okay? Um, Aaron Gordon, okay? Nikola Jokic, JaVale McGee was a good pickup, all right? Jamal Murray, uh, Monte Morris, Michael Porter Jr., 
that is a team to be reckoned with. And if they can get it together and just stay, you know, consistent, like I said, I'm not picking them to win the Clippers. I'm sorry, to beat the Clippers if they were to meet in the playoffs, but I would not be surprised if they won it. Okay, but this is a team that can make it to the Western Conference Finals. Okay, Aaron Gordon has found it. He doesn't have to be the guy anymore. Okay, he's the third option on that team. Okay, behind Murray and and, and Jokic, he's the third option on that team. And a guy that you know, he's a piece that they didn't have an athletic big, a super athletic big. This guy was robbed of slam dunk competitions we've seen. Okay, and not a shabby defender because when you're that big and you're that athletic, you better not scrub out on defense. I mean, you better not. You won't be playing on my team if you're big, athletic, and you can't cover somebody in front of you. So he has that going for him, and he's a really good fit on that team. Okay, so um, they could probably beat. The, you got the Jazz. Okay, in no particular, and you, I'm forgetting about the Suns. I mean, that's a, a team that I'm really happy to see playing good right now because I'm a huge fan of Chris Paul and everything that he does. People counted him out. How dare you? Why? How? Says what? That guy's still the best pure point guard in the NBA. Okay, and you want to know who's the second best pure point guard in the NBA? Rajon Rondo, perfect way to segue and talk into talking about the Clippers because they made a trade. And there was actually people on Twitter saying that it wasn't a big deal. Excuse you, I can't have an NBA conversation with you because if you don't think that the addition of Rajon Rondo to the Clippers is not a thing, then what the hell are you talking about? And it's just so funny how things work because just two weeks ago, the last time that I was on air, I talked about how funny it is. This is a, a day before the trade deadline. If a day before the trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline. And I was saying on there, I don't know if you remember, Frank, isn't it funny that during the Lob City era, how you had Blake, you had DeAndre, you had CP3, right? A point guard, okay? What they were missing, they being the Clippers, was an athletic premier wing guy. They got two of them now, okay? They were missing Paul George. They were missing Kawhi Leonard. Fast forward to 2021, you have Kawhi Leonard. You have Paul George. They were missing a point guard. I love Pat Beverly, but he's not the guy that's going to take you over the top. I love he's great. He's a guy that I'd want on my team, okay? And then they go out and make a trade for Rajon Rondo, a guy that does not need to score 15, 20 points to dominate a game. I've seen Rajondo dominate games by scoring seven points. And if you don't believe me, go look back a couple years ago on Christmas Eve when he had, like I think it was like 25 assists in one game. I promise you, he had 25. Go look it up. It was on a Christmas Eve like three or four years ago that he completely killed whoever the hell they were playing. And um, I'm no math major, but as a minimum of 50 points because of making the right decision, handing it off to a guy to score points. I say minimum 50 points because you don't know how many of those were three-point plays. But the man can absolutely dominate a game. And I'm sorry, there's a thing out there called playoff Rondo. He steps it up when it matters, guys. I don't count the Clippers out at all in the Western Conference. That was a huge pickup. I don't give a damn who you are and what you say about Rajon Rondo. I don't care what you say about the Clippers. I don't care what you say about Paul George, okay, who didn't have the greatest bubble last year, but he did have 30, he did drop 36 points last night, okay? Um, I know what you're saying. Well, I got to see it in the playoff, Mike. Uh, listen, I am not down on Paul George. This is a guy that was in MVP running just a few years ago when he was uh, running mates with Russell Westbrook over in OKC. If you don't remember, go look that up too because he was absolutely in the MVP running. Top five uh, uh, name, maybe even top three that year uh, in the MVP because he was playing that good, all right? So, um, you know, the Western Conference, man, only one team can come out if healthy 
if healthy, everybody's saying the Lakers, I would love to see an all LA uh, Western Conference Finals. I really, really would because I think the matchups there. And think about this. If that happens, I mean, think about, you know, the fact that Rajon Rondo won an NBA title last year with the Lakers. He kind of knows what they want to run, guys, when they want to run it, how they want to run it, who they want to run it through. This is a smart – you want to know one of the reasons I love Rajon Rondo so much, okay, aside from the fact that he plays basketball the right way. If you guys don't remember, in 2017, he had a stint over with my Chicago Bulls, okay? And mind you, I was already in love with Rajon Rondo at this point, but this put me over the top. The Bulls made the playoffs that year as the eighth seed, right? They barely made the playoffs. They barely got in over the heat. You know, I had to throw that in there. Um, over the heat, I think by like a game, all right? So they're playing, I believe it's the Celtics. It was the Celtics in the first round. Of the, the Celtics were the number one seed that year in the playoffs. The Bulls were up two to nothing in that series. And they were going to sweep the hell out of the Celtics that year. But Rajon Rondo got hurt. Rajon Rondo got hurt, and the Bulls did not win another game that series. Okay, This is the year that Wade was over in Chicago. Jimmy Butler was coming into his own. Well, for you guys out there, I already knew about Jimmy Butler. I was calling Jimmy Butler an All-Star in 2011. I have receipts for that. And if you guys don't believe me, don't dare me pull them up because I will. I was being laughed at, but I'm laughing now. Okay, um, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade. Rajon Rondo, Thibodeau was still was Thibodeau still the coach in 2017? I think he was. But it doesn't matter. Rondo goes out and the Bulls lose the series. That right there should tell you the value that that guy brings to any team, okay? You could bring up Rondo uh, in the Mavericks. You could bring up Rondo with the Kings. I don't care. You know, people go through stuff. People, you know, don't always have fits and pieces around him. He's not going to win an NBA championship by himself. Nobody has ever done that, okay? Mike didn't do it. LeBron didn't do it. Shaq didn't do it. Kobe didn't do it. The greatest never did it. So, I mean, what were you doing with, with, with Boogie Cousins in Sacramento, and that's it, and horrible management besides Vladi Divac trying to make things happen, and he never did, okay? But listen, I won't count out the Clippers beating the Lakers in – a series either. Do I think it'll happen? I probably pick the if healthy, if 100%, I'll probably pick the Lakers in a really, really close game seven. A really, 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 really close game seven. And no, I won't be surprised if the Clippers out out outduel them in a seven game series. You just can't. Nothing should surprise you in sports. Okay. If you've been following sports, however long you've been following sports, nothing should surprise you at this. I mean, for crying out loud, the Jazz are good. Who the hell saw that coming? All right. So I don't know, man. That's just how I see it. But um, I wanted to talk about, you know, a couple of trades that happened. You know, the Bulls made a big trade. Not that they're, you know, scaring anybody. But that was one of the bigger trades that they made in the offseason, picking up uh, – I'm not going to say his last name. I'll just call him Vooch because it's a lot easier that way. <laughs> um, and so they actually won – they actually were on a huge losing streak. They won their first game on Saturday over – uh, the depleted Nets, but I'm sorry, Sunday. It was Easter Sunday. They needed that one. But going back to the Nuggets, man, they're 5-0 and since acquiring Aaron Gordon, and so big things out to them. Steph Curry, and I'm going to end the show on this, okay? I stand by this, and, you know, you heard me talking about it with Brian uh, in you know, a couple segments ago, but uh, Steph got hurt on March 17th. You know, he fell on his butt, 
You know, he had a he has a tailbone injury and he's playing with a butt pad right now. Something that he's very proud of, by the way. He bragged about it. He has he has, he has a butt pad now, so um, things may be look, looking a little thicker for him down there if you guys are paying attention. But on March everything he gets hurt versus Houston in a game which they won. Okay, and this is just one of the many reasons why I think he deserves MVP. That he's not going to get it because they're probably not. You know, if they make the playoffs, they'll be the eighth seed. All right, that doesn't freaking happen. And you know, like Brian said, and we agreed a couple segments ago that it's a popularity contest but make no about no make no mistake about it ladies and gentlemen Steph Curry is playing probably the best basketball of his career okay no he's not hitting 403 pointers but he's the guy on a team that needs him to be the guy okay so going back to what I was saying March 17th he gets hurt versus Houston a game in which they won he returned on March 29th versus my Bulls they won that game they went one and four in his absence okay and in one of those four losses, they scored 77 points, guys. 77 points, okay? Last night, he goes off for, I think, I think he had 41 last night. Yeah, he did go off. He had 41 points last night against a Bucks team that did not have Giannis. But listen, I love Dame Lillard, okay? This is coming from a guy that was saying Dame Lillard is, was a better point guard than Kyrie Irving when everybody was on Kyrie Irving's jock, okay? But, um... Uh, Steph Curry is playing some serious, serious MVP caliber ball right now. And I'm going to end the show on that, man, on, on saying that I think that uh, he needs to be considered more for that. He's not going to win it just because the NBA how it works, but he's playing out of his mind. He's playing out of his mind. And the playoffs are, are around the corner. Things are just ramping up for the NBA uh, towards the end of the season. And I'm excited, man. I don't even know who's going to win the MVP right now. That's how good things are. But... I'm officially out of time, and um, it was good to be back on air. Last week was spring break, and uh, it was a good show today. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Had Kylie Wang, thank you to her, and uh, Brian Monroe calling in. Really, really appreciated both of those segments, and I hope you guys did as well. So I'll be back same time, same place next week right here on SiriusXM Channel 145, Slam Radio. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show. Everybody out there, stay safe. Have a great week. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.